This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, in honor of graduation season, we'll talk about why and how you should consider applying to four tendencies to engage more effectively with a child in your life. And we'll ask my daughter, Eleanor, a high school senior who's about to graduate, who happens to be an upholder, about what she'd suggest for high school students and their families. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the five senses, human nature. I'm in New York City, and joining me today from L.A. is my sister Elizabeth, my sister the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm very excited to see Eleanor's graduation. Yes. Very soon. Oh, I cannot wait for everybody to be in town. Now, before we launch in, we got an interesting update from a listener about how to use the five senses to engage with other people in a very creative way. Yes, this comes from Gail. She says, I used the five senses ideas to create a nostalgia party for our friends. We had old television commercials playing on the television and had everyone bring their favorite comfort food from childhood. Chicken noodle soup, brownies, Pop-Tarts, meatloaf were a few of the items (laughs) that guests brought. We decorated with lists of items from various years. We bought these online, but you could create them. Things that were introduced to the market, top songs, top TV shows, etc. We also created a party game where we had stations set up with childhood games, Operation, Sorry, Trouble, Jenga, Kerplunk, etc. And people visited each station in groups of four to complete a challenge and get a score. Highest cumulative scores were the winners. After the party game, we had people discuss their favorite smells from childhood. Everyone had a great time. Well, Gretch, this is the most delightful party I've ever heard about. Absolutely. This sounds like so much fun. Yes, I love the stations. Yeah, I love the stations. Operation is really fun. That is really fun. It is. So that's a great idea. And speaking of the Five Senses Journal, I am so excited. The Five Senses Journal is ready for pre-order. It will ship in August. Go to happiercast.com slash journals 
It's a six-month journal that's a really, it's like no journal I've ever seen before. It's much nicer than the one that I cobbled <laughs> together myself when I was writing Life in Five Senses. I'm really excited to have this go out into the world. And if you want 10% off at checkout, when you pre-order, you can enter Senses Journal 10, just one zero. Census Journal 10, and you will get 10% off. Very excited about that. Very excited. And this week, this Try This at Home tip is to consider the four tendencies with the children in your life. So this is for parents, teachers, coaches. This is a, especially useful to consider right now because we're in a time of transition going from the school year to the summer. Because what I've observed over the years is when things get shaken up, when schedules change, when routines change, a lot of times you face new challenges, and particularly as a parent, because it's not the same challenge that you had last year at the end of the school year, because your child, your children are changing so quickly. Yes. It's like, it's a new challenge every time. It's not like, oh, I'm 45 years old, and this June is like that June. It's like, oh, this is a completely different situation. Yes. And Gretchen, if people don't know what we're talking about, they can take the Four Tendencies quiz. Right. They can take the quiz for themselves. If you go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz, three million people have taken this quiz. It will tell you about your own tendency, but it will also give you a little report. And people keep asking me to write a quiz for children. And one of these days, I want to get around to it. It's tricky because an eight-year-old is so different from a 14-year-old. Right. It's hard to think of what the questions would be. But I have to say... If you know the tendencies, it's pretty easy to spot them in kids. I mean, I hear from parents and teachers and coaches all the time, I've got a three-year-old questioner on my hands. Or yes. like, oh, this one was a rebel from two years. So yeah. it's still very applicable even to children. You can just use your own knowledge of the four tendencies, even if they don't take the quiz. Yeah. And I like I can tell Jack is an obliger mm -hmm. just because I recognize my yes. obliger self in him. Yeah. So explain the, what they are so that will help people look for this in their kids. Yeah. And so the thing about understanding someone's tendency, obviously, you don't want to constrain someone with a label. People say, if you define me, you can find me. But I do think that if you know the common pitfalls of the different tendencies, you can understand better where a child is coming from and how you might communicate more effectively. Because if you don't understand their frustration or their hesitation or why something that you're doing isn't working, it's very tempting as a parent to, or a teacher to just double down. Mm. And it's like, okay, that's not working. And doing it twice as hard is going to make it even less effective. Right. So what this is looking at in the nutshell version is how people respond to expectations, outer expectations and inner expectations. Outer expectations are a school deadline on a project. Inner expectation is I want to learn how to practice yoga. So depending on whether you meet or resist expectations, that's what makes you an upholder, a questioner, obliger, or rebel. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline, the school deadline. They keep a New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. So what are the pitfalls of that, Gretchen? Okay. And I'm an upholder, and Eleanor is an upholder, so I, I know this very well. So Upholders are very easy to meet expectations, and so they can become really uneasy when it's not sure what's expected of them. If an assignment is unclear, they can just get really, really riled up. Eleanor and I will often laugh about how we will find things ambiguous that other people <laughs> don't find ambiguous, because I'm like, it's so important to us to like follow the directions correctly that we spot ambiguity. Upholders tend to love routine, and so if there are scheduling changes, they can really 
have trouble adjusting to that. So that can make them seem really uptight or really rigid. So in your family, if you're, especially if you have a rebel parent who wants to be spontaneous, mm. that can cause a lot of conflict because the upholder child is like, but we said this and I have a plan and it's like, it, who cares? But to the upholder, that's very unsettling. And then they can really get upset by something that you as an adult might not think is a big deal. Okay, you're going to be a few minutes late. Or, okay, the teacher said you have to read for 20 minutes every night, but tonight we didn't get home in time, so you have to go to bed without doing doing it. They can get very, very worked up. And you as a parent might think, well, this doesn't make any sense. But to an upholder, they're very uneasy about that. Yeah, I mean, I can see that summer could be a challenging time for upholder kids because they're not in their usual routine. And things are changing and things can happen last minute and there yeah. might not be clear direction some days. So this could actually, especially for upholder kids, be a time that's a little uneasy. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then what about questioners? Okay, so questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they will do it. If it fails their inner standard, they'll push back. And so these are kids, they're often told that they ask too many questions. So it's not like, why is the sky blue? It's more like, why should I do it? Mm. They need to have a reason to do something. So you can't say, because I say so, mm -hmm. or 10-year-olds always do this because they're like, well, that's just arbitrary and that, makes, that doesn't make good sense, so I'm not going to do it. They'll only follow an authority if they respect that person. Mm. Their persistent questioning can make them seem uncooperative or disrespectful sometimes because they seem like they're challenging authority or they're making trouble when they're just like, well, why would we do it? Why does this make sense? Why am I listening to you? Why? Well, it's funny because I can see, for instance, if a kid is going to camp, yeah. the camp asks you, tell us about your child. It could be very helpful to say, just so you know, yeah. Eloise likes to ask a lot of questions. You can prepare her counselor for that or something. Right. Right. And just say something like, it really is helpful to her to understand the reasoning behind rules yeah. because then she's more likely to follow them, which is absolutely true. Questioners, if they think something makes sense, they'll do it. But if they think that it doesn't make sense, they won't. I have to tell one of my a story that just haunts me from a friend as a child. So he loved playing soccer, played soccer, had a great coach, played goalie. Then he got a new coach and he said, went to the coach and said, as a goalie, I think I should do different exercises from what the rest of the team does because mm -hmm. my position is so different. And the coach said, I'm the coach and on my team, every player does exactly the same drill. Mm. And so my friend quit oh, because he's wow. like, that doesn't make any sense. Because I have such a different thing, this makes no sense. They also love to have things customized, like they want things to be more efficient. Whereas if that coach had said, hey, you might think that as a goalie, you would need a completely different set of, of drills, but I've studied the regimens of the top mm -hmm. teams and what they find is it's like all the same things matter no matter what position you play. It's speed, it's accuracy, it's cardio, right. or whatever it is. And if that kid had been like, okay, this makes sense. You've thought this through. This is customized to my position. I get it. He would have done it. But if it's just, right. I'm the coach. This is what I say. So everything is cookie cutter. I'm not going to explain to you why I'm doing anything. He's like, I'm not going to do something that's so arbitrary and pointless. Yeah, and, and he so lost he respect for the coach. And, and he lost respect saying, for the coach. He but he wouldn't follow an authority if he doesn't respect them. Right. And so the fact is that he lost out on playing soccer because somebody wouldn't mm. give him a five-minute explanation. So yeah. you, they need to have that explanation, but and then they, and then they can get on. 
on board. Okay, so that's questioners. Tell us about obligers. So obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And so obligers respond very well to outer accountability like supervision, deadlines, monitoring. Now, as being a kid, you often have a lot of accountability, but they might need more. You wouldn't want to just say, oh, whenever you have a chance, do X, Y, or Z. Or if this is really important to you, you'll make time for it. You probably are going to have to help them create the scaffolding of outer accountability, which adults need it too. Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with someone needing outer accountability. If that's what they need, help them get it. It's terrific. And then they can achieve any aim for themselves. Well, and for sure, as I mentioned, Jack is an obliger. He definitely does better when he has something on his calendar, like a test, for example question with this is, do kids get obliger rebellion? Because I wonder if Jack will. What a fascinating question. I do not know. Listeners, if you have examples of children having obliger rebellion, I would love to know about it. I bet they do. I 100% imagine that they do. I don't know of any good example. I haven't heard any good examples that I can think of from my own experience or from listeners, but I absolutely want to know that. But it's something that's very important to keep in mind, because if that obliger feels like expectations are just crushing and then they resist, then they could experience the downsides of that just like an adult would. Yeah, so it's interesting. Here, and related to that, I would say, Elizabeth, when expectations are too high, a thing that I think is really important for parents and to a lesser extent teachers and coaches to keep in mind is you have to make sure that things are distributed fairly. And it's very easy, like let's say you have multiple kids and one's an obliger and one's a questioner and one's a rebel. You're probably going to get a lot more pushback from your kids who are not obligers. Mm. And so it's very tempting to ask them to do something because the great thing about obligers and why obligers are the salt of the earth is they are very likely to meet your expectation. If you ask them to do it, they're very likely to do it, which is wonderful. But it's not fair if things aren't fair. I sometimes see situations where I'm like, I think that that obliger is being asked to do more Mm. just because they don't push back as much. Because they're not a pain in the neck about it, Mm. they get overloaded. And that's just not fair. This could happen in group work, right? You've got a bunch of kids, and one kid's like, well, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so then an obliger kid ends up doing 95% of the work because they are the ones that feel the pressure. And so it's something to be aware of as adults where we need to help things stay fair and not let one person take advantage of someone else. And another thing, Gretchen, we talk with adult obligers about how a spouse often is not a good accountability partner because it almost feels like it's yourself. And I do think, at least in our house, parents are not a good accountability partner for Jack. He does much better if a tutor type person or a coach or someone or a teacher is giving him accountability as opposed to Adam or me. That is an excellent point. Absolutely. Outsource the accountability if you can, because the more outer, the more outer the accountability, the more power of the accountability. Okay. Now, finally, what about rebel kids? Okay. So rebels resist outer and inner expectations alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. For rebel children, this can often be very difficult. Many rebels have said to me that they felt lucky that they had a rebel parent because they Mm. felt like a rebel parent understands the rebel frame of mind. 
But if you're dealing with a rebel child, you really want to know it because a lot of the things that you might typically do with a child might backfire. Things like they will resist supervision, reminders, advice, directions. They don't even like encouragement because encouragement is often a form of control. They mm. want to do what they want to do in their own way in their own time. They often act as though ordinary rules don't apply to them. They will do an assignment in their own way and just be like, oh, this is the way I wanted to do it. So how do you deal with that if you're a parent? Well, there's two ways. One is the information consequences choice framework, which is I'm going to give you the information you need. I'm going to give you the choice and the, the freedom to make a decision. And then it's up to you. The more you can dial into freedom and opportunity and choice, the more powerful that is. Let's say you have a high schooler that you really want to work hard in school. You could just give them information consequences choice. If you work hard, you'll have lots of options when you go to college. You could go anywhere in the world if you want to go. Mm. If you don't work hard, you'll have many fewer options. It's funny. A friend of mine had a rebel kid... And he told me he put on his refrigerator after reading your book, Information Consequences Choice. He found that very helpful. Oh, that's great. And then also you can help them tap into their identity. So they're an athlete, an artist, an animal lover, a loving family member, a person others can rely on. Mm. Rebels often have very, very elevated values. It's not like they are inconsiderate or irresponsible, but they're going to do things because of identity. So you want to help them identify that identity and show how something that they're doing helps them live up to that identity or might be inconsistent with an identity. When you do that, it makes me feel like you're a person that I can't count on. Mm. I want to be a person that others count on. So I'm going to behave in a way so that other people can count on me. And, and that, again, is also kind of information consequences choice. Because if you behave in that way, the consequence is I view you differently. And that yeah. might be an identity you don't want. Well, I think this is very helpful as we enter summer, Gretchen. I would love to hear from people yes. what their kids are and how this plays into their lives. If you're interested in The Four Tendencies, there's so many resources on my site, GretchenRubin.com. I've got the book, The Four Tendencies. I've written a lot about how it specifically applies to children and adults. There's more there than you would ever want. So just go to GretchenRubin.com and uh, Four Tendencies and you will see it all. Let us know if you do try this at home and how using the Four Tendencies with children in your life works for you. Let us know on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 434 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a medicine-related happiness hack, but first, a break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretch, it's time for this week's happiness hack. Okay, this occurred to me because of something that I did and I felt good. So if someone is feeling a little bit lousy, maybe they have an upset stomach or they have a big blister on their foot or they've got a headache, if you want to show love, if you want to do an easy, tender gesture, it's to go get the medicine for them, right? This isn't like you're going even to the drugstore, but this is just, oh, your stomach is upset. Let me run to the medicine cabinet and bring it to you with a glass of water. Because if for some reason you've got a bad headache or there's a throbbing blister on your foot or whatever, it just feels nice that someone is saying, I'll go get it. Well, Gretch, I love this because I think whenever someone has a headache, I know if I have a headache, I don't feel like going and getting the headache medicine. But if someone puts it in my hand with a glass of water, I will take it. And I think many of us have this resistance to just simply taking medicine when we know it would help, but we're just yeah. too lazy. Yeah. So I love this hack because it puts down that barrier. And right. you do feel better when you take it nine times out of 10. I mean, that's the thing. One of my secrets of adulthood is over-the-counter medication is very effective. Yeah. And it's really true. And you're like, why am I suffering with this when I could yeah. just... Yeah, but there is something about someone running to get it for you. It just makes you feel cared for. Yes. And doing it makes you feel... You know, loving actions inspire loving feelings. And by acting in a loving way, you make yourself feel more loving. And so it's one of those do good, feel good. Yes. And now for an interview, we are going to be talking to my daughter, Eleanor Rubin. Eleanor is 18 years old. She is graduating from high school as unbelievable as that is. The days are long, but the years are short. And now she's on the brink of graduation. Yes. And then Eleanor is going to take a gap year and then she is going to Harvard. So exciting. Yeah. So we thought we'd ask Eleanor to come and just tell us what does she wish she'd known when she was starting out and what has she learned from this position of wisdom and experience as an 18-year-old leaving high school. Hey, Eleanor. Hi. <laughs> Hello. (laughs) We are so excited that you're here to talk to us. I want to start out with is just asking if there's something you wish you'd known when you started high school that you know now. Mm. I think so many things, but I feel like the most important thing is just the importance of finding your niche. I think it Mm. took me a while to understand that like the transition between middle school and high school There are so many things that change. There's more freedom and more work. But I think the biggest thing for me was just the freedom to really explore what I was interested in. But I don't think I really took that opportunity as much as I could have, I think, at Mm. first. And it took me a few years to really find what I was interested in, not just in terms of the content, but also in terms of the people. Like Mm. at my school, if you were interested in theater, art, which is mostly what I was interested in. It wasn't just those things. It was also like the people, like the teachers and the students who were interested there. And I think if I had found that would have been a little bit easier for me, that transition, because once you Mm. find your niche, you kind of have a comfortable place to feel like you belong. 
And I think it took me a minute to feel like I was really adjusted because I was kind of in between worlds in that way. Right. Mm. Okay, so now I have to ask a question, which I know so many parents and teachers wonder about, which is, do you have any advice about social media? This is something that we didn't have when we were in high school, but obviously it's a huge thing in high school now. I mean, it can be tough because I think everyone wants to be on social media as much as possible. Like I know when I entered freshman year, I had Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram, mm. and I loved all of them and I used all of them. And for the most part, I think Snapchat and Instagram are, I mean, not the best, but I feel like they have their place and they can be useful in terms of socializing and staying in touch with your friends and finding inspiration. And once you're applying to colleges, finding other people who are applying or who have already gotten in, those can be useful. But I feel like TikTok, the cons outweigh the pros Mm. So what much. are the cons? The cons are just that it sucks you in. I think it's a lack of choice. TikTok, you open it, you don't have to make any choices about what to look at. It's just feeding you content that is basically endless. And mm -hmm. you can open it and look up and it's been like three hours because it's mm. just, it's exactly what we're wired to need. And I don't know about the like, it shortens your attention span thing because I've mm. seen kind of like, different takes on that but at least for me it was definitely true that like I found that I was seeking shorter and shorter forms of content and even like watching a movie wasn't enough stimulation for my brain and I just I don't like that I don't like that feeling and I think the trend cycle is so much faster on there that it can feel like it's hard to keep up it can feel like a really negative place mm. I didn't want that anymore so I haven't been on TikTok in like a year and I feel like I'm just much better, better for, for it. it. Yeah, yeah, I feel much happier. Yeah. yeah, and I noticed like Instagram is more of a connector, whereas TikTok is more of just a passive watching strangers do things a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Now, you mentioned the people in your life when we asked what you wish you'd known and finding those people. Um, high school is such a time of making friends, changing friends. What advice do you have for people going through that and sort of realizing that friends can change? I think as long as you have that in the back of your mind, everything's okay because pretty much everyone I know, they don't have the same friends by the end of high school that they had when they entered. Mm. And that's fine. And I think if you keep that in your head, like I definitely knew that just from watching my older sister go through high school and seeing how mm. many shifts in her friend group there were basically every few months I think I kind of had that in the back of my mind just like while everything feels like it's so permanent right now it just isn't and it's fine I mean it means you can love your friends while you have them but also know that if there's drama or if you feel like people aren't right for you you don't have to stay there and when I was advising a group of freshmen this year as a senior that I tried to reiterate that because a lot of them were going through a little bit of that and feeling like they loved their friends, but they also felt like they weren't right for them and not really knowing how to navigate that. And I tried to just be like, it's good to love your friends, but it's also good to take some distance if you feel like they just aren't the right people for you because entering high school, it's time to shed your old self a little bit. That's how I approached it. And I think mm. that was... That was right for me. Well, here's a question that, I mean, I think this is the study of so much research, which is 
How do you think kids who are in high school now were affected by COVID? Because you were, you were, for listeners, you were, remind them where you were in high school during COVID. COVID came in my second semester of freshman year, and we really didn't get back to school until like the last month or two months of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So it was really that beginning period. And it also means that I was the last class who was affected by COVID during high school. So mm. obviously for each grade, it's going to be a little bit different because it was early yeah. and earlier. But for us, I think it just meant that we got a little bit less of that transition time. Like I think you could kind of argue that sophomore year is the least important year of high school because it's like junior year is really that crunch time. Freshman year is that first introduction into it. But sophomore year is kind of in between. So in that way, I think my class was lucky, but I think it's also one of the most important social years because you're in between that incredibly awkward stage where you're like, I just need to (laughs) cling on to the people who are around me and not worry about it. And between the time when you're like, I feel like I'm mature and I know everything. (laughs) I think sophomore year is awkward, but I think it's also good to have that one foot in, one foot out a little bit because you start to really find your place and start to find what you're interested in. But my class was just stuck at home and not able to do any of that. I, d- I couldn't really have any extracurriculars. I couldn't really see my friends. And so I feel like we were just frozen in that transition time. So we didn't really get to have that like flexibility, that wiggle room. And then we were thrown into like junior year, which is like, now you have to be basically perfect because right. now you're worrying about college. So I think that was really unfortunate for us. Well, and that explains why it might have taken you longer to find your niche because you were stuck at home. You weren't exploring stuff. Definitely. Eleanor, we ask every guest if they have a try this at home suggestion for something Mm -hmm. that makes them happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. What would you suggest? Okay. Mine definitely falls into the more productive category. Just because I'm kind of still in that in-school mindset. And you are in a polder. I am in a polder. Yeah. Yes. Something that's been really helpful for me, because even though I am in a polder, procrastination has definitely been something that's hard for me, because I just, it's honestly like more with smaller tasks that I feel like I can really manage. I feel like those I tend to push and push because I know I can do them. And then I get to a point where I'm like, oh my God. So something that's been helpful for me is a Pomodoro timer, which I think you've talked about before, Mm -hmm. but it's just like a simple method of 25 minutes on, five minutes off, 25 minutes on, five minutes off. And then I think a real like 10 to 15 minute break and then 25 Mm -hmm. more and you just keep going. I use a website that I think is called Tomato Timer just because it's Mm -hmm. cute. Like it has a little animation of a tomato, Uh but it's honestly been very helpful for me. Also, because I've realized something useful for my brain is having something to look forward to. So having that Mm. little break to look forward to can be really useful but also feeling like I have a timer that's watching me. And if I have, if I take a break during those 25 minutes, I kind of feel like I'm cheating myself. Mm-hmm. And for me, mm-hmm. I hate that feeling. So I'm, mm-hmm. I have to work for these 25 minutes or else I'm cheating. And I really don't like feeling like that. So I realized if you feel the same way, that can be a useful tack. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And you can either use an app or a website or you can actually get a timer, a physical yeah. timer often that looks like a tomato. <laughs> well, thank you, Eleanor. Thank you. Eleanor, thank it's you. so great to see you. Congratulations. Thank you. I know. And I'll see you soon. Yes. So fun. 
And if anybody wants the best advice for recent college graduates, for career, finance, roommates, and more, we did a very special episode about that a while back. I will post a link to that in the show notes. Coming up, I give myself a strike-related demerit, but first this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Okay, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And this week, Elizabeth, it is your turn to hand out a demerit. Yes. So Gretchen, obviously I've been talking about the WGA strike a lot. It's a big, big thing going on right now in my life. And my demerit is that rather than schedule time to worry about the Mm. strike and about the future, as you and I have discussed so many times, can be helpful. I'm just worrying all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like about 98% of the time, my brain Aww. is just thinking Aww. about the strike, what's going to happen, what's the future. And it's just not helpful. Even if I'm doing something else, I'm thinking about that. So I'm trying to give voice to this so that I will force myself to yeah. change what I'm doing and set aside time to worry and then free my brain the rest of the time. Well, it's just really hard, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, by the way. I know a lot of people are spending a lot of time worrying, but it can just be draining yeah. and it, it's not helpful. 
Right, because there's so many unknowns. So when you're on the picket line, are you worrying or then you're not worrying because you're like in the moment and and dealing with whatever's going on there? It's more like when you're at home and going about your business. I mean, it's just all the time. It's like whatever I'm doing, I'm worrying. It's just always there alongside, walking alongside me. So probably I need to uh, do some exercises or some mindfulness meditations or something to train my brain to let it go for periods of time. Do the scheduled time for worry. I mean, you've done it in the past. Try it again and see if you can commit to it. And maybe you need to do it every day. Yeah, probably. Because it's such a big worry that it can't be ignored more than 22 hours or something. Okay, Gretch, what about you, though? What is your gold star? Well, I want to give a gold star to my husband, Jamie, because our windows desperately needed to be washed. And you know me, Elizabeth. I'm just like, well, that is our life now. That's Once the wa- windows, Yeah, the windows used to, I mean, it wouldn't even cross my mind, frankly, to notice. And he mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, so be it. And then he just up and got them washed. He made the appointment. He figured out how to do it and just set it up. And he didn't even consult with me, which was wonderful. It just happened. So I give him a gold star because now I can see out the windows much better. He's right. It's a big improvement. And he just did it. That is great. Even if somebody's doing the work, a lot of times, like, you get dragged into a lot of the fussing with it. And he just took me out of the, even the fussing about it part. Well, and I have to point out five senses-wise, yes. clean windows definitely yes. are um, good for the five senses. Yes. I hadn't even made that connection, but you are 100% correct. And that's a perfect segue into the resources for this week. The resource for this week is to take the What's Your Neglected Sense quiz. If you go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz, you can find out what is your neglected sense. Elizabeth and I have the same neglected sense. Our neglected sense is taste. Eleanor's most neglected sense is the sense of smell. I Mm. love the sense of smell. So, yeah, go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz and find out that interesting piece of information about yourself. It'll give you a lot of ideas for low-hanging fruit of fun adventures, ways to engage with people, sources of comfort and pleasure. It's just good to know your neglected sense. And what are we reading? Elizabeth, what are you reading? I am reading Walking with Sam by Andrew McCarthy. And for my summer of rereading, yes, it is underway. I am (laughs) rereading The Life of Samuel Johnson by James Boswell. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Consider the four tendencies as you engage with a child in your life. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our interview guest, Eleanor Rubin. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram and TikTok at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, please be sure to recommend it to a friend. That is how people discover our show. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Wait, move over, Eleanor. Elizabeth, do you see that ice cream thing? No, the other way. That ice cream thing behind her on the bulletin board? That's from, like, Tiffany Town from a thousand years ago. I remember it. Yes. Vividly. Bonkers, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God, that brings me right back. (laughs) From the Onward Project.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.